Good morning, third service. How's everybody doing? Good. It is great to see all of you guys here today. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, if you need a pen, hold a couple of fingers. I'd encourage you, if you did not bring your own Bible, go ahead and ask for one because we're going to be uh, opening up a book today and I want you to all be opening up a, a Bible if you can. All right, before I get started, uh, I have a public apology I want to make to everyone uh, just to clear the air. Uh, on Christmas Eve, I kind of was talking smack at winter. And I was saying, winter's been weaning, it's not a lot of snow, and it's not that cold. And I think winter heard me and said, oh, really? Then uh, I'll show you some. So I, you can probably blame me for all this snow and, you know, talking smack to winter. Because uh, how many guys got just pounded with your, your snow? Did anybody get over 24? By chance? No? Okay. I think we got 20 at our house, and I was like, sweet daddy, this is amazing. But... Uh, yeah, so I actually do think the reason why we got that snow, though, this is just my opinion, uh, there was a junior high retreat that was happening last weekend, and there was no snow on the ground. And there were three little junior high girls that were begging God to bring snow, and I think God answered their prayer. And they kind of maybe not should have prayed so hard, but uh, it did uh, it hit. And I think God answered their prayer. That was kind of cool. That happened one time to us when we lived in... in Grant, Nebraska. I think I was three or four years old, but uh, the, we live in South America, so we never would have any snow. And so my mom was uh, really wanted snow to come. And, and so she was praying, saying, God, bring a big snowstorm. I want to see snow. I want to see snow. And let me tell you something. We got hammered by snow. We lived in a mobile home, and the drifts went right over top of our trailer to where we had to dig a tunnel out of our front door to get out. It was crazy. It was a big snowstorm, but I still remember that as a little kid. <clears throat> uh, another, some sad news. Uh, both my little colony of bees are dead already. So, yeah, they didn't even make it through the beginning of winter. It's crazy. And uh, my chickens aren't laying eggs. So if I was a pioneer farmer, I'd be dead by the end of January because it just wouldn't make it. But thank goodness for a pick and save. That's all I got to say. All right, guys, to begin with, I want to start out by saying thank you so much to Paul Jeffries for doing an outstanding job the last two weeks. Uh, his study on uh, Revelation has been amazing, so thank you, Paul. Appreciate you doing that. Um, but we're going to be starting our brand new series for the year, and unless things change, this series will take us right up to Family Sunday series starting in June. So it's going to be a long series. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be studying the book of Colossians in the New Testament. Okay, we're going to be going through it verse by verse, and uh, this is what we call exegetical teaching or preaching, okay, as opposed to topical preaching. Now, exegetical preaching takes a passage of Scripture and just works through it bit by bit, verse by verse. Now, topical preaching uh, simply focuses on different topics and then looks to the Word of God to weigh in on those topics. Now, over the years, growing up, I, what I've noticed, is I've found, is that some people tend to think that this type of preaching, exegetical preaching, is more holy and better than the other. A church should only do exegetical preaching, okay? That's the right and holy way to preach as a church. Um, churches who do topical preaching, um, you know, it's all about trying, you know, pleasing people and trying to find topics that bring people in through the doors to grow their numbers. And the Word of God is all we need, nothing more. And while I see why people may think that and say that, and who knows, maybe some churches do do that, I think that's a completely wrong way to look at things. Topics are important. 
Okay, and the Word of God deals with all sorts of topics. Jesus was a topical teacher. Paul was a topical teacher. Sure, maybe they did discuss, you know, certain passages at times, but many times when they taught, they would teach on different topics. Um, exegetical preaching is a very good thing, but don't throw out topical preaching just because you may like one better than the other. And most importantly, don't make one teaching more holy or reverent than the other, okay? Because honestly, what is important is that the power and the work of the Holy Spirit does his, that he does his work to change hearts. Because guys, it doesn't matter what kind of teaching it is. If the Holy Spirit isn't working, it doesn't matter, amen? That's what we need is the Holy Spirit to be working. Now, that being said, we're going to be working our way through Colossians, doing the more holy way of preaching all the way to June. So if you like that, that's what we're going to be doing. And we're going to be taking a few breaks here and there, but for the most part, we're going to be working through this amazing book. Today is just an introduction. I'm just going to be introducing this book and allowing us to kind of set the stage for what we're going to be uh, you know, moving forward uh, in, in the weeks to come. Okay, so first off, guess who the author of Colossians is? Yeah, the Apostle Paul, exactly. Um, most of the epistles in the New Testament are written by the Apostle Paul, and this one was too. And most of the epistles uh, were written to churches that Paul himself had started. He had planted these, these churches. And so, you know, he was the one that went to that city, he's the one that went to that town, and he'd preach the gospel, the kingdom of God, and people, you know, would, would come and listen, they would hear it, and they would believe in Jesus, and, and then... As that group would grow, a little fledgling church would, would, you know, be born. And, you know, Paul would stay there for quite a while and grow that church and instruct the people there. And as it began to become stabilized, he would then put elders in place to oversee that church. And he would move on and go to another town or another city. And that's just how he would do it. And from time to time, he might write them a letter to just check in on them, to instruct them, to rebuke them, to, to correct them in some of their thinking, and just protect them from the enemy. And this epistle of Colossians is no different. Paul is writing to the city of Colossae, to the disciples of Jesus there in Colossae, and, and he's doing exactly that. He's writing to encourage them. He's writing to challenge them. He's writing to, to correct some of their thinking and to just instruct them. He wants to make sure that they're growing and they're not being destroyed by the enemy. However, the only difference with the book of Colossians, as with other epistles, is that Paul was writing to a church that he did not plant, okay? He did not start the church in Colossae. Paul didn't even go to the city of Colossae, okay? He might have gone to the cities in the area or the vicinity, but not to Colossae. So Paul did not start this church. Uh, the person who scholars believe did start this church was a guy by the name of Epaphras, or Epaphras as some people might pronounce it, and we're gonna hear about him in a little bit. But Paul is writing this letter to Colossae from prison, okay? He's in chains at the moment, and he's, he's writing these letters to these churches instead of going, being able to go visit them in person. And that's how we have the letter of Colossians, okay? Because he, he, he writes this letter from prison. Now, some things about the city of Colossae. Colossae was probably the smallest and least important city that Paul ever wrote a letter to. This little city is never mentioned in the book of Acts, like I said, Paul never goes to, he never, made, he never went there on his missionary journeys. Um, it is small, it's insignificant, it's not a very important city. Uh, apparently the city once was kind of known for uh, its dyes that it would do to make, you know, dye cloth and whatnot. 
But by the time when Paul is writing this, the city of Colossae was in a state of decline, um, and it was just you know, not that big deal of a city. And it's actually really surprising that Paul would even give much attention to such a small city, but he does. Okay? He cares about the brothers and sisters there, and I really think it is cool that he, he did that, because apparently he wants to address some important stuff with them, and because he did, we have this amazing book of Colossians. And you're going to see this book really is an outstanding book. So I'm thankful Paul was willing to address the believers living in this very insignificant city. All right, it is believed that Paul wrote this letter sometime around the date of 60 AD, plus or minus, you know, three or four or five. They're not for sure on the exact date, but it's around the time of 60 AD, which is interesting because in the writings of Eusebius, he, he was a Christian brother, and also another Roman historian by the name of Tacticus, he um, they both mentioned that around the time of 60 AD, a huge earthquake hit that area and Acts absolutely obliterated Colossae. I mean, it got knocked to the ground and it never, it never came back into being, never made it out of that, that. It was sadly destroyed and never came back into existence. Now, <clears throat> I mentioned a guy by the name of uh, Epaphras. Um, it's believed from different sources that Epaphras was responsible for bringing the gospel to Colossians, okay? Epaphras was a, a native of the city. He was born in Colossae. He grew up in Colossae. He went to Colossae High School. He was a star running back on the Colossae High, High School football team. We found a rare picture of him. That's him carrying the ball there. He was pretty big for his age. This is his senior year, but he had some premature balding going on. But other than that, a pretty cool thing. I just Googled Roman football, and this is what came up. I'm like, I didn't even know they had football. It's kind of cool. But no, I don't know if he played football or not, but uh, what we do know is that he spread the gospel of Jesus all over the place. Uh, he started in Colossae, but then he also uh, went to surrounding towns of Lycus and Heropolis and Laodicea, and, and God used Epaphras in a huge way. But the question is, okay, but where did Epaphras hear the gospel? Who did he hear it from? And that's a good question. And, and the truth is, we don't know for sure, but we can make some educated guesses. And the, the highest probability is that he heard it from Paul himself in the city of Ephesus. Let me explain why. When Paul would come into a city, he would always seek out the synagogue in that city. And that's where he would begin his teaching and his preaching. And as he would teach to the, the people who were the followers of Judaism at these synagogues, and he would preach about the kingdom of, the, of, kingdom of God and Jesus and all stuff, they would hear this, and they would start to believe, and, and groups of, you know, the church would begin to, to happen in, in that little synagogue. That's where he would start. And he did that every time. And the same was true of him when he went to the city of Ephesus. He went to the synagogue, and he began to preach. Now, in Acts chapter 19... It tells us the story of what Paul did when he went to Ephesus. I want to read this because this is fascinating. Paul entered the synagogue, this is Ephesus, and he spoke boldly there for three months. Okay? Three months he did this, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Okay? So he's there at these synagogues, arguing about the kingdom of God, you know, trying to make his point and let them see the truth of the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Okay? Now, the way was the name that was given to followers of Jesus back then. They were just called the way. And so some of these people in the synagogue, they're just maligning the way. They're just putting it down. They're making fun of it. 
So what did Paul do? He left them. And he took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of God. So how long did he teach in the halls of Tyrannus? Two years. And how many people heard the word of God? All. Now, let's just talk about this for a second because this is fascinating to me. The Hall of Tyrannus, here's, here's a picture of it. Here, this is its ruins. It must have been an outstanding building back in its day. But apparently, it was a rental facility. People would rent it to be able to give, you know, speeches or teachings and, and, and a lot of the famous orators or poets or whatever would come and teach at this Hall of Tyrannus and they would have to rent it out to be able to do it. Now, in some manuscripts, um, in Acts chapter 19, in some manuscripts, it actually says that Paul would teach in the halls of Tyrannus from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Find that fascinating. That's in some of the manuscripts. Now, that would have been the hottest part of the day. Now, why would Paul choose the hottest part of the day? Probably because it was the cheapest time to rent. The big famous teachers were in the cool of the morning and the cool of the evening, and Paul would have had to rent the Hall of Tyrannus during the hottest time, which would have been probably the cheapest time. Now, Paul was a tent maker. That was his job. That's how he'd made money on the side. So he probably worked hard in the morning, worked hard in the evening to be able to make money to rent the halls. Now, what's crazy is he did this for two years. This was out of the norm for Paul. He didn't normally do this. He normally taught in the synagogues. But he actually left the church, left the synagogue, and spoke in a public setting. And I think this was his most successful time ever as a missionary. Because he reached all the residents in the Asia province. You know how many people lived there in that area? Over two million people. And that was all in the halls of, of Tyrannus. So what that tells me, guys, is a lot of times, you know, in our world today, what we try to do is we try to bring people here to church so that they can hear the gospel, bring people to church so they can meet and, you know, hear about Jesus. But guys, what are we supposed to be doing? Going out and being Jesus, going out and sharing the gospel. That is going to be the most successful way to do it. And that we see here that happens to Paul. Now, it would not be surprising at all if some people from Colossae came to the halls of Tyrannus while Paul was teaching there and they heard the gospels themselves and Epaphras being one of them. And then Epaphras, when he believed, he probably went back to Colossae to share the gospel and the good news there and a young church was planted and it went from there. It's the most educated guess. That's possibly what happened. We don't know, Okay. Now, apparently, there were problems in the church at Colossae, and honestly, we don't know exactly what those problems were, because in the book of Colossians, Paul doesn't get into it with great detail. Possibly Gnosticism was happening. That was a big problem of the day. Um, but it's also thought that there was a bunch of kind of religious mixing going on, kind of like a, a salad bar of religions. And people were just kind of going, you know what, I like that, I'll use that one, and I'll took a little bit of this, I don't want that, and I want this, and people would just pick and choose what they wanted. And you know what, people still do that to this day. There are individuals out there like, I like this, I like that, I don't want this, and I don't want that, and I want this, and that's how they live their lives. So that was happening back then. So Paul's going to address this. 
And what we're going to find in this book is that Paul doesn't spend a whole lot of time addressing the problem. What he does is he spends a whole lot of time addressing the solution. And we're going to find that the solution that he addresses is knowing Christ. Getting to know Christ. Now let me ask you a question here at Whitestone. We talk about knowing Christ or knowing God or knowing Jesus. Is that just knowing him up here? What does it mean? Interactive relationship. To know Jesus means to have an interactive relationship. And that's what Paul in the book of Colossians is going to teach. That knowing Jesus is what's going to help us stay away from all the counterfeit Jesuses out there. And we're going to see that that solution has not changed over the centuries. Knowing Jesus is still the solution. It's the solution for the entire world no matter what time period we're in. Okay? And we're going to see how in this letter, Paul is going to exalt Jesus. I mean, he is going to proclaim the preeminence of Jesus, the, the supremacy of Jesus. And that's why we're using that as our tagline, the supremacy of Jesus. So apparently there's some issues going on. And so Epaphras goes to meet with Paul in the prison. He goes to visit with them, and he shares what's going on with Paul. And Paul sits down and writes a letter to address the situation in Colossians. Okay? Does that give us enough backdrop to start? All right, good. Hopefully that, that helps. All right, so open your Bibles to Colossians. Little trick. Colossians is in the New Testament. Okay? Now, if you pull it up here, it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They go in that order, okay? So a little trick is if you look at the acronym there, it's General Electric Power Company, okay? We're looking for Colossians, so you're looking for the company. So if you find yourself in any of those books, you can just go General Electric Power Company, where I'm at, and you can find Colossians. Little trick. I won't even charge you for that. All right, so turn to Colossians. Everybody there? All right, this is what we've done in the past. We're going to do that in this series too. We're going to read each passage uh, that we cover. Uh, we're going to read it out loud together as a church family. So let's do that today. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me, and let's all read the passage that we're going to cover today out loud. Ready? Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Amen. All right. That was the custom of the day back then when you would write a letter. Uh, the author would always put his name first. Okay, that's how they did it. And then they would, in a sense, state their title or what they did or something like that. Um, I know it seems kind of weird to me that they would do that, but that's how they did it. It'd be like me going, Luke, son of your son, if I'm writing to my mom, I'd say, Luke, your son, pastor of Whitestone, by the will of God. So mom, how's it going down there? How's the weather down in Arizona? That's just weird, but that's how they did it. We always put our name at the back of the letter, but they always started. And so Paul, he gives his name, but then he gives his credentials. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now this is important. Paul, in this statement, is making it clear that he is qualified to write this letter of instruction to the Colossians. I'm sure there might have been some people there in the Colossians church who are like, who's this Paul guy? I don't know this guy. I've never met him. Why are we reading some dumb letter from him? Why, why do I care what Paul has to say? 
And Paul would have known that. That's completely understandable for people to think that. Paul knows that. So he made it clear that what he's about to write in this letter should be listened to and paid attention to because he was an apostle of Christ Jesus. And not only just an apostle of Christ Jesus, he was an apostle because it was God's will that he was an apostle. God chose this, not Paul. This was God's decision, not Paul's. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. In other words, I am qualified to write this letter and you really need to pay attention. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Luke, I've heard that word apostle a lot of times, but to be quite honest with you, I don't know what that means. And that's a really good question. Apostle in Greek is apostolos, okay? Now, what it means is means one who is sent. But really, at its very deepest level, it kind of connotates someone who is an authorized spokesman of God. In other words, the person has literally been commissioned by God with the power of God to go out and be a representative of God, okay? And that's who Paul was. He was known as an apostle to the Gentiles. All that to say, Paul was qualified to write this letter to a group of Christians he had never met before, okay? Now, in this greeting, Paul also mentions Timothy. He says, Timothy, our brother. Now, who's this Timothy dude? What's he all about? Well, Timothy was actually a young guy who Paul had met in the city called Lystra. Now, Lystra, if I'm correct, is where Paul had been stoned, um, not got stoned, he got hit with rocks and stones, um, and they left him for dead outside the city. That's where he, he was, they thought he was dead. But that's where he met Timothy, and uh, they became good friends, and um, apparent Timothy sounds like an amazing young man. Um, his father was a Gentile, his a mom was a Jew, and his grandma was a Jew. And we don't know much about his father, but his mother and his grandma, they were amazing women. They loved Jesus. They followed Jesus. Well, during Paul's second missionary trip, trip uh, Timothy joins Paul in his journey across the world planting churches. In fact, at one point, uh, Paul plants a church, and then he leaves the city, and he puts Timothy in charge of the church to be the pastor, the, the shepherd. And so that's where we get the books First and Second Timothy, because he's writing to Timothy saying, hey, this is how you pastor. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to look into, all that sort of stuff, amazing books. But they're written to Timothy because he's taken over. Well, at this point, Timothy is with Paul. He isn't in prison, but I'm sure daily he would go and visit and pray with Paul and take care of Paul's needs. And Paul makes sure that he mentions his name because he's part of the ministry. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. All right, to the saints and faithful brothers. Now, when you hear the word saint, when we hear the word saint, what often kind of runs through our brain? We kind of picture like these really famous like oh, amazing men and women who like they'd make stained glass windows out of them, you know? Like you, you see that and they got the like ring of fire around their head because they're holy and, and you see the Saint Teresa of Avila and Saint Bartholomew of the Woods and Saint Vincent de Paul and all this stuff. We think of saints like that. But saint simply means holy one, okay? And what does holy mean? 
Set apart, exactly. So Paul is writing to the believers in Colossae and saying, I'm writing to you holy ones, to you set apart from the world ones. These men and women were followers of Jesus. They were not of the world anymore. They were set apart. They, they were holy, and they were faithful in being set apart. Not just on Sundays were they holy and set apart. They were set apart from the world in, in, every day, in their life, in their thinking, in their actions, in their words, everything. And so Paul was writing to the faithful, the set apart, holy men and women of Colossae. Now, something interesting Paul says that I really like, is like Paul lets them know that they are two-dimensional beings. He says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Paul is writing to the disciples of Jesus who live in Colossae, but they're also in Christ. Do you see that? You need to see that for your own sake, because as followers of Jesus, guys, we operate in two different spheres. We, we, we operate in two different dimensions, if you will. We're all in a certain place in the world, but we are also in Christ. Yes, we do live in the world, and we do not take our duties in the world lightly. Of course, whatever we do, we do it to the best of our ability with all of our strength, but we also keep in mind that we live in Christ. We may be in this world, but we're not of this world. Why? Because we're in Christ. We may move from place to place on this earth, but we must always remember we are in Christ. What that means is outside circumstances should not affect us. They should make little difference to us. Our joy and our peace is not dependent on outside circumstances. Why? Because we're in Christ. And we're going to talk about this later in the book when we get into chapter 3. But what I'm trying to say is that we can be put in prison. We can be working long, hard hours. We can be experiencing poverty. We can be attacked by evil people. And yes, all those things happen in this world. But a disciple of Jesus always keeps in mind that they are in Christ. And Christ sets the tone for our life. Not any earthly location, not any earthly circumstance. Now, I say that today because, guys, we live in a very evil world, amen? And it seems the more you look at it, the more and more evil it's getting. When we watch the news, guys, it, we look at these outside circumstances happening all around us, and it can easily cause anxiety and fear and worry, and I understand that. But don't let that happen because we are in Christ there is not a safer place to be than in Christ, amen? In fact, let's say that out loud this morning just as a group. Let's say it out loud, and if you're watching live stream, say it out loud where you're at. Let's say we are in Christ. Okay, you ready? We are in Christ. And that's what sets the tone of our life, not the world around us, okay? Always keep that in mind. We may be in our little special Colossae, our little special area, but we are in Christ, and that needs to set the tone. All right, does that make sense? All right, I hope so. Don't let this world affect you. You live and operate from a whole different sphere and dimension, and so let your life demonstrate that. All right, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. 
Now, this is a common greeting that Paul would often put in all of his letters, but I don't want you to think that it's just some cold greeting that he'd do, like, oh, I just gotta write it out because it's what I always do. No, I believe that he meant every single word. When he would write this out, he meant what he was saying. Grace to you, peace to you. Now, I want you to look at that verse, and I want you to tell me, where does grace and peace find its source? Who does it come from? God our Father, exactly. Now, grace is God's power working in you to accomplish what you can never do on your own. And peace is the deep rest and assurance of good that comes from a complete abandonment to God. So grace and peace, they both find their source from our Father. And I want you to notice that little word, our. Grace and peace come from our Father. He's not just the Father. He's not just a Father. He's what? He's our Father. And that's why we can pray that, that prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why? Because he's our Father. Please don't let that be lost on you today. Okay? He's ours. He's our Father. Guys, we live in a different dimension a dimension where we are in Christ and our Father pours out on us his grace, pours out on us his peace. And that's how we can live in this world. That's how we can live in our Colossae, in our Economoc, our Delafield, our Milwaukee, our Wales, our Waukesha, our Sullivan, our North Prairie, our Jefferson, our Fort Axon, wherever it might be, that is how. Because we live in Christ and our Father pours out his grace and peace upon us. And that allows us to live completely supernatural lives in a completely natural world. Amen? Amen. It's because we have a Father and we're in Christ and he's our father. All right, that's all we're gonna to cover today. That's setting the stage for what we move into next week. But in each sermon at the end, and I know this may seem weird to some of you, but just try to get over it and push through it and embrace it, okay? But I'm gonna read what we've covered, and I'm gonna read it slowly and meditatively. And we're gonna play some soft music as I do that. I think what often happens, we, you know, I finish a sermon, we pray, and then we head out of here and we never think about it again. And I don't want to do that. I want God's word to settle in our heart, and I want us to give him some space to speak to us. Give the Holy Spirit some space to actually instruct us, help us, speak to us. And so we're going to do that. We're going to just play some soft music for just a short while. I'm going to read slowly and meditatively the passage we covered in that day. And we're going to start by doing that today. And I know it's just the intro, but they're still powerful words. So I want you, if you're comfortable, just close your eyes. And I want you to practice the presence of Jesus. He's here today with us. In fact, the whole Trinity is. Just practice the presence of Jesus. And let these words just minister to you and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. When I'm done reading, we're just going to give it some space of just the music playing. Just listen to what the Lord has to share with you, okay? All right, you can start playing the music now, Phil. Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, 
and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and to the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. God, I am so grateful that we can call you our Father. So grateful that we are in Christ. We are so grateful that you continue to pour out your grace and your peace on us in a world that is filled with evil. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're with us and you never leave us. God, may we live holy, set-apart lives from this world, knowing that we live in two dimensions, physically in this world, but spiritually in you. We're thankful for that. God, may we go forth in your name into the world around us. And may we not only share Jesus with this world, may we be Jesus to this world. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Let it be so. Amen. Guys, if any of you would like to be prayed for or anything you want to share, please come up to the corners. They would love to do that. Otherwise, I love you guys very, very much and have an amazing week and we will see you next Sunday.